Today's episode of Van Lathan's The Red Pill is brought to you by Showtime and the critically acclaimed series, The Shy. The heart and soul of Chicago's South Side lies in its community. But when your world is a daily struggle just to get by, can you rise up and stand tall to realize a better tomorrow? Watch as Ronnie, Brandon, Emmett, and Kevin confront the tough choices that will shape their futures in The Shy. Created and executive produced by Emmy Winder. Created and executive produced by Emmy winner Lena Waithe and Academy Award winner Common. Shout out to my man Jason Mitchell who's in that as well. Louisiana loves Louisiana. Always fantastic actor. The new season of The Shy premieres Sunday, April 7th at 10 p.m. That actually was this past Sunday and it was a fantastic season premiere. Only on Showtime. To try a month free of Showtime, go to Showtime.com and enter Red Pill, R-E-D-P-I-L-L. This offer is for first-time subscribers only. It expires May 6th, 2019. Um, here's the deal. If you're going to go start watching Showtime, don't just stop at the shy. Also, check out my man, Diesel Zamiro, and what they're doing over there. Their fantastic show is amazing. Some great programming over on Showtime. Welcome to Van Lathan's The Red Pill, where we give you the brutal reality of truth. Today's guest is Blitz, the ambassador. Okay? He is a Ghanaian hip-hop artist. Um, a visual artist and a filmmaker. And he has on Netflix right now a fantastic groundbreaking visionary film called The Burial of Kojo, which we are going to talk about on The Red Pill today. Uh, this film has been backed and championed by none other than Ava DuVernay um, and the folks over at Array. So we would like to thank them for putting us in contact with Blitz because it was a delight having him on the show. We talked to him about myriad things, about his film, what it took to make it, the power of art, uh, some of the misconceptions of African art. He is from Ghana. Some of the ways that he was influenced by uh, American black culture even being so far away. This is a central, central theme and concept to me uh, involving black people is how we're connected um, all over the world. Blitz is from Ghana, and he says it was the music of Public Enemy that allowed him to access the power inside of him that he needed to go forth and begin to create. That is an amazingly beautiful concept to me. We talked about the culture shock that he had when he finally made it over here to America um, and some of the missteps that he made uh, becoming an artist um, and, and, and learning to refine his voice. Also, the film itself, The Burial, the Burial of Kojo, which I saw, the people at Array were nice enough to provide me with a link to it. No, you can't have my link. It's on Netflix now. Go watch it. Go support this film. Uh, it's a beautiful journey. It's a visual journey. Um, it's a, it's a film that you can tell was made um, with an artistic authenticity that really comes through when you're watching it. And I was glad to be able to talk to him. It's interesting to me in talking to Blitz how black people all over the world have a kinship in quest, if you will. We're all seeking the same things. We've been separated by colonialism by slavery, by oceans, um, by language, by ethnicity in some term, in, in some cases. But what we want all over the world seems to be the same. 
and why connecting with people all over the diaspora is incredibly important. It's going to be essential to achieving some of the, the goals and dreams that we want um, as black people. And that's black people here in America. That's black people in the Caribbean. That's black people uh, in Africa, all over Europe, everywhere. There's going to have to be not just an American community here of black people that, uh, that unite together, but we're going to have to think a little bit bigger because we want the same things no matter where we are. Um, when he talks about representation and the, the Africans telling African films, it just struck me about how we're talking about the same things over here in the United States. But I'm not going to go too deep into that. I'm going to let Blitz talk all about it. Incredible brother. And I'm telling you right now, this is not the last you've heard from Blitz the Ambassador. Blitz is going to be around. He's going to be here making amazing, beautiful art in the future. I hope to work with him. And of course, of course, I hope to hope to work more with Array in the future. Um, <clears throat> interesting. I don't have anything to rant about this week. I thought about some things uh, that maybe I could talk about, but I don't really have anything to talk about to talk to you guys about today. To rant about because um, there doesn't seem to be much to discuss. I mean, there's always something to talk about, but what could you talk passionately about? I'm at a position right now where I'm reevaluating almost every single thing about my life. And if I'm being honest, what sparked this reevaluation is Nip's murder. I haven't been able to shake. Um, no, fuck the eyes. There's nothing about this situation with Nip that's an eye situation. I don't matter in this. It's not about how Van is feeling. It's not about how sad Van is. It's not about how upset and fucked up Van is. It's about a culture that's weeping and grieving, a family that's weeping and grieving, a, a hood and a community that's weeping and grieving. It's about them. It has nothing to do with me. It has nothing to do, like, I wake up so depressed and that, nah, none of that. The reality is that it's been difficult to focus on anything else for all of us because this sort of randomness, this sort of end to this beautiful of a human being, we just can't make any sense out of it. It's like the world, like someone put the dampers on the world. It's like there's a weird fog and you could grab it. Like you can grab the air and feel the weight of it. And when you look at someone or when you're talking to someone, you don't even have to articulate it. Like, I know it's difficult for some people to understand, but we're talking about real and authentic grief here. Real and authentic grief that, to be honest with you, is manifesting itself in some of the most beautiful ways we've ever seen. We're seeing people get together. We're seeing hood squash beefs. We're seeing the nation get out there and get people mobilized in order to access their true selves and really start asking some questions that are going to give us some answers to how things like this can happen. But this moment will never be forgotten and it won't be easy to shake. And it, that's just the way that it goes. So almost everything else that we could discuss, maybe even that we should be discussing, seems secondary to us lifting each other up right now. 
And I'm telling you straight up, I've been randomly hitting people uh, just to try to talk things out. And if anybody wants to do that with, 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 with me, that's fine. DMs on Twitter and Instagram are open. Uh, but we have to, in this particular moment, be in a position to be there to each, for each other, to hold each other, and to lift each other up. It's not just what he would have wanted, it's what he did. And it's what he dedicated his life to. And it's what he was about. So in the moments where it's good, we have to do that. In the moments where it's bad, we have to do that. This is what community is there for. This is what allyship is there for. This is what love is. Love isn't good, and love isn't bad, and love is work. Now, as far as me, there are some things that I'm ashamed about in my personal perch, and those things are all going to be dealt with in time. Those are all things that are going to be talked about in time. I'm going to deal with them the way I deal with them. And I'm going to make moves the way I make moves. And going forward, I'm going to be better for you guys, more representative for you guys, um, and in better places for you guys. But that's in the future. The now is I have to do the best that I can uh, to make sure that the work is being completed and I stay committed. And as a community, we have to stay working and committed. For those of us who have we, we've lost for sure, but also, and more importantly, for those of us who are still here, for the people that are still around, for the people that are still working, we honor the ones that we lost. We work for the ones that are still alive. Because I'm going to be real with y'all. There's an enormous amount of work to do. And it's going to take serious and dedicated people to do it. Uh, I love y'all. And that's the world community of people who love freedom and equality. Whoever you are, wherever you are, if you want to see people be able to express themselves in the one life that they have here on earth without oppression, without malice, without marginalization, um, without hate ruining their one spin around this globe, then I love you. And I love what you're there for and I love what you stand for. And until the last breath of me, I am going to work for you. All right? That's what we got to do. Hopefully we can do it. Hopefully we can all feel good about it. Uh, next podcast will drop on the day of my 39th birthday. Woo! Special. We haven't decided who we're going to have, who we're going to put on the podcast. We got a lot of podcasts we can run um, on my birthday. We haven't decided which one we're going to do. Uh, but it's going to have to be a special joint for my birthday. Because um, I'm going to have to, in some way, celebrate life. Because we all fucked up right now. All right, Blitz. Fascinating filmmaker. Fascinating discussion. Thank you to Array. Thank you to Ava DuVernay. Thank you to Blitz. Pop some pills. Let's get it popping. This is what normally, Blitz, what I do is I make the white people clap. Because okay. this is my... Wait, but normally you have three white people. What's, what's, what's the problem with two? Let me tell you something. There's a big difference in the world 
between two white people and three white people, I think history is boarded out. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> like two white people, whatever, three white people, that's a mob. That's you, know what I'm, you, know, you, know, you know what I'm saying? So I think I think that's been proven. There's a big difference. That is um, white people, clap for my man Blitz, man. Salute. Now, let me tell you what I just did. I've read Blitz's last name before, but I've never said it. So before I butcher it, because we brothers, Tell everybody what your last name is, bro. My last name is Baza Wule. Baza Wule. Yes, sir. Blitz Baza Wule. Now you, um, we're we're pleased to have you on the red pill today because I truly believe that going forward, yes, you're gonna be a major, major force. Wow. Uh, sort of, really in all areas of creation because man, you're so varied in your talents. If thanks. Start off in music. Yes. And now... Well, first visual arts. First like, visual arts. Oh, yes, so it was visual arts, visual then it was arts, music. music. And now, of course, you have a movie um, coming out uh, Sunday. Tell us a little bit about that. So the film's called The Burial of Kojo. The Burial of Kojo. I wrote, produced, directed, composed, the mm -hmm. score for it. Yeah. Um, shot entirely in Ghana. Mm. Where um, you're from? Originally, born yeah. and raised. We're going to talk a little bit about that, Yes, too. yes. And, um, yeah, man, it was, you know, you, know, you, you grow up wanting to see yourself, bro. That's mm. it. You know, I, I, I grew up in a space where we never had stories that revolved around us as continental Africans. Everything mm. was an import. Right. You know, and then, you know, you find out your brothers and sisters across the pond have done good work that mirrors you, but it's still not you. Mm. Right. And, and, then, mm. and then so in time, you start to ask yourself, yo, what do we contribute? Right. You know, because you need that story as much as I do. Sure. Um, and so, yeah, man, it's been a it's been a wild journey, but I, I'm honored. So, when you said growing up in Ghana, and you're from where in Ghana? I'm from the Upper West. That's where my family is. Upper West Side of Ghana. Yes, yes, yes. Upper West. West. West, West Side. Um, when you say that you had the imports, what kind of films and what kind of content did you consume growing up? Man, I mean, let me think. So, it was like. Hollywood blockbusters. Okay. Right. So it was Terminator 2. It was... Right. Dope movie. Yeah. It was yeah. Rambo. It was okay. Rocky. You know, uh -huh. my dad was a huge Western fan. So we watched The Good, The Bad, and Ugly. My dad has owned The Good, The Bad, The Ugly on every format mm -hmm. that it's ever been released Crazy. on. My dad, my dad has the same thing, but it's with the Outlaw Josie Wells. Okay. Outlaw wow. Josie Wells, whenever it comes out, man. On whatever. Yeah. He's like, oh, it's on D it's on Blu-ray. It's on yeah. It's like, it. Outlaw Josie Wells out on Laserdisc. Son, buy it for me. Dad, that do you have a Laserdisc player? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Because we got to get one of those, too. Be that seems like a big investment yeah. just to get this just one. Just to get this one. Yeah, right? Exactly. That's my dad. I feel you. So, so you know, I grew up, you know, and, and fortunately, so, like, you know, I did see some really good films. Mm -hmm. But, again, we talk about representation, you sure. know, the very little of it. I had to deal with black life or African life, you know, mm -hmm. and so, you know, I, I made it. I made it a point, and I mean that's why I got into drawing in the first place. Yeah, you know, and and that was crazy. And then hip hop came to Ghana. So right. like you're talking early '90s, and Public Enemy was the first rap. Group, I read that about you, which was crazy. They came in 1992. We didn't even know what hip hop was. All we saw was that scope, uh -huh. and we were like, "This is something," you know. Right. And and I was, I think I was 12 at the time. And it, it, ch it changes your life. It changes your perspective because you see people who look like you speak assertively. Mm -hmm. And you're like, this doesn't happen here. Mm -hmm. you know. And they had found something that as young as they were, you know, sometimes it was vulgar, sometimes it was brash, 
but it was always truth, right. you know? And, and so for me, that, I gravitated very quickly towards that. And then, you know, I got the chance to come to the U.S. to study, you know, when I was 16, and, you know, I've, I've been here since. Mm. Now, growing up in Ghana, what specifically parts of American black culture resonated with you? You say Public Enemy came, um, and, and that sort of grabbed you. That's interesting to me because Public Enemy's music is very, very specific yeah. in terms of uh, its political direction, right? Yes. And things that you would think had to do with the unique situation yes. of black people in America as it relates to slavery yes. and systemic oppression and yeah. all the things that they were fighting against. Yeah. But that still struck a chord with you. Yes. Explain yes. a little bit why it did. Well, me and my peers, and I, and I think we were we were we had also reached a similar space. So mind you, so just to give you a little context, so Ghana in the time, um, we had just come out of a military rule. Okay. So like freedom of speech was still kind of suppressed and so we had all this music that was happening at the same time which didn't reflect us so it was like my my dad's generation's music mm -hmm. it was all love songs and the, the specific type of music is is high life music so that was huge out of that w w birthed Afrobeat, which mm -hmm. then fell out kuti kind of was the proponent yeah. proponent for but at the time it wasn't political at all it was very very basic mm -hmm. and you know we were growing up getting frustrated because we we're like this is ridiculous mm -hmm. young people have no jobs police are brutal like there's nothing mm -hmm. and so then when you hear people who even though the context is completely different you're like this is me you know and I think a lot of it was just the assertion just like we're here and we will speak about how we feel and so then we take hip-hop mix it with high life and we make hip life mm -hmm. so hip life becomes a huge phenom I mean it you know, but then we start rapping in our native languages. Mm -hmm. We sample because hip hop sample culture. So instead of you know, we didn't have no Coltrane, we didn't have no yeah. jazz and nothing. So we're sampling high life records, right. just adding break beats. It's the same experience, same thing. Right. So you know, guys like shout out to Reggie Rockstone, who was you know he's the godfather of of that mix. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I came up around that time. Mm. Before the music hit over in Ghana, did you feel any type of oneness? with African-Americans over here in America? Not as much. I yeah. mean, it was content. We just didn't have, you know, first of all, you know, American culture, black American culture isn't taught in schools at all. I mean, we rarely even know about slavery in public schools in, in, on the continent. Mm -hmm. I'll be surprised to meet continental Africans who have a clear idea of what African-Americans have been through historically, mm. right? Most of us come here and then, you know, if you're lucky, to, you know, to be in school, you'll pick up and understand. Mm -hmm. But very few of us had that as information back home. So, no. And, and it was honestly through the music. That you learned that was it. what was I mean, going I on. I learned everything. And I also think about that time. You had, you had the L.A. riots. You had um, not long after O.J. Simpson. Like yeah. you had like so many things. Explosive decade, the 90s. Explosive. So hip-hop is the only context. Because either that or BBC. Mm. That's, wow. Yeah, you know, yeah. That was it. And right. then they're beaming all this stuff. And you're like, they can't be that bad, bro. Yeah. Like everything is just negative. And, and then you listen to hip-hop and you're watching videos and you're like, but the... It, circumstances that's not what you're talking about so 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 that was crazy and, and again for a young person obviously I wasn't processing it that way it was mm -hmm. more innate I right. just knew there had to be more to these people um, that are my brothers and sisters but nobody has actually ever taken time to contextualize it sure you yeah. know what's crazy about that is you're getting the sort of this view of black American culture right yes and 
at the same time, here in America, they're feeding us yes. an image yes. of, of African culture. Yes, the Not savage African. African. Which, by the way, <laughs> never, when you say African over here, <laughs> it's never a specific culture or country or yes. anything. Yes. They take the word African and use it to mean <laughs> everybody, yeah, yeah, yeah. which in and of itself is disrespectful. So we're looking over there and we're going, well, wow, we have it all fucked up here. Yeah. But... The, over there, and I'm not trying to be pejorative or, or in any way. Yeah. Like over there, they got flies on their face. That's it. So, so it it, it it's weird how people looking across yeah. the the ocean at one another yeah. don't really understand what's happening to people that they're so closely related to. It's insanity, and I, and I mean it, it. Some of that still persists today. You know what I mean? Like based on you know this. Um, you know, and it was intentional, you know what I mean? Sure. Like just, just miseducation on both ends, you right. know? And and a lot of us, and you know, so if, if you're growing up in an African household, you're kind of told to, if, you, if you're coming to America, they'll right. be like, stay away from these black people. Right. They're this, they're that, they're that. So, that, they, so that we hear that as black people, that you, you feel like that's a real thing. That's, I mean, that, you're told that until you arrive and you're like, yo, fam, this is a lie. Mm. You know, and when, when you live in Brooklyn and you're like, fam, like, uh, like yeah, but, but again, it, it, it's intentional because, you know, God forbid, like, we have a real connection, you know? Right. And, and we can see each other and say, look, there's some real connections here. And then you, you think about, uh, uh, and I've had the privilege of being in Brazil, like, you know, and, and seeing black people there. Sure. And listening to how they've been played as well. Like mm -hmm. to see you and me, we're literally the same people. Right. That's a completely different breed. Mm -hmm. And so for me, this is where my art has been very specific. Right. Has been, okay, look, if I'm going to participate in any art, then my work has to be how closer can we get? Right. How, how much can I can my work embody these elements that I've had the privilege of 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 seeing close hand or being a part of and saying, look, if someone is on this coast, they should be able to listen and watch and pick up something that they may not have been able to, hmm. you know. So that's yeah. been the work. So when you got to America, that was when? That was uh, 2000. 2000, you got to yes. America. So you got there right before some major changes to American culture. Yes, happened. sir. Yeah. Yes, sir. Um, what was your, how did, so everything that you had done creatively, you had a specific inspiration that come from growing up in Ghana. Yes, was there any change to your creative method in terms of the music that you were doing or the inspiration? Did being here tweak the way you looked at things at all? Yeah, sure did. Um, like, you know, listen, when you move anywhere, you know, when you migrate anywhere, your first concern is assimilation. Sure. Right? Because you're like, listen, I don't want to be that African guy. Yeah. Right? So you're, you know, you are constantly trying to shed. You know, you're like, I, you know, if I fit in, then I'm less, I'm not picked on or I'm not, singled out and you know so then you go through you know high school college you try to do all how of that. old were you when you came over i was 16. okay so yeah you were still going yeah through yeah that going whole, through yeah, that phase sure. you know and so and so you know after a while though i started to understand that listen um and i was fortunate and this kind of happened in college so i went to kent state university and they have like one of like the best african-american uh studies departments in the country sure which um again at the time i didn't even know like the just the complexity of us, you know? Yeah, sure. So I stumbled in this building and just like, my mind was blown. I'm like, I'm from the continent and I know nothing mm. about where I'm from. So then like my, but then I find out that I'm not unique at all. Like, Fela Kuti, this is where he came to figure out 
that he was African. Mm -hmm. You know, um, my first president, Kwame Nkrumah, mm -hmm. you know, he came to, he, he was in the HBC, HBCU. Mm -hmm. That's where he, his uh, consciousness was awoken and he came back home mm -hmm. and did work. And so I found myself in a similar place and I was like, listen, I, I have to figure out like blending in is not an option, you know, just just like literally just being part of because because your art changes. Now you're, you're trying to it, it becomes less specific, mm -hmm. you know, and then I found out that, no, I'm not doing anybody any favors. Definitely not myself. I will have to start to figure out this information that I'm learning. How does it now affect the information that I knew? more from uh, an experiential perspective, but here it was from an intellectual perspective. Mm. So now putting both of those two together, you know, my art changed significantly. Mm. Yeah, significantly. Now, did you see yourself in any way um, sort of wanting to, because you said assimilate, did, when you say that your art changed, how? Did, it, um, did, did you want to be more mainstream hip-hop because your music is incredibly eclectic yes. and it, it, it draws upon all these influences yeah i mean but you know in the 2000s did you like run out and put like a eye like a fucking band-aid under your eye like nelly right. did you start like what it was all the it was all the big fucking la ram <laughs> yes jersey sir i chain. did like, you, you I, tried have, to <laughs> I have ridiculous college photos that i hope never <laughs> surface on right. the internet right you know because again you're just like okay well this is weird. How are you treated by Americans when black Americans when they know that you are African? Because I'm not gonna lie, that's touch and go sometimes. Yes, sometimes sir. Uh, th there's a thing that exists and it's very difficult because if you're looking at me and you right now, yep. like you look like you could be one of my cousins, right? Yes, sir. But there's so many cultural differences, and growing up, I never forget Ben and his brother. Uh, these were the African kids that that that, that I knew, and yeah. they had it tough. Indeed, growing up around us, yes, the African booty scratcher thing, <laughs> all of that, the all the all, all of, of that, that stuff all like that. that, and all then that. we then when we came to learn that, like you said earlier, their parents kind of looked at us a certain way. Of course, it, it it was a deal. Like, how did you combat that? Like, how did you like what was what was your prescription to sort of understanding all of these different influences on you? Well, I mean, first, uh, to be, uh, you know, um, to go back a bit, I was fortunate to grow up in a, in quite a Pan-Africanist household. Oh, okay. Yes. So that, yeah. that was that was one of my first advantages. Sure. Very rare. Mm -hmm. So my father had worked internationally prior. Okay, so he was well-traveled. He was well-traveled, yeah. you know, and at the time he worked for the United Nations as well. Mm -hmm. So, you know, it was like, listen, you're, you're, you're here, your brothers, here, your sisters, here's what's going on with them. I can't give you all the answers. But you're going to get some books. Mm -hmm. You know, my, one of my first books my father gave me was Patrice Lumumba's book, uh, you know, um, auto, autobiography, mm -hmm. which, you know, is, I know none of my peers were getting that. You know what I mean? And so that's, that was a huge, and I, and I, never, and I never discount, the, you know, how important that was mm -hmm. for me. Because, you know, yes, I mean, I, I did encounter some ignorance, but especially in Ohio, you know, where, you know, because New York's different, L.A.'s different. Ohio is black and white, mm -hmm. you know, as in African-American and Caucasian. Yeah. So especially, you know, Kent, where I was studying. Sure. So, you know, there just wasn't an understanding of immigrants weren't a thing. So mm -hmm. there was that issue 
of like, okay, here's this guy who's an immigrant, and then and then you know from the continent where you know that the propaganda about the continent has been so negative mm -hmm. for so long. Mm -hmm. So you know, I find myself in class having to defend some ridiculous statements. What's the most untrue thing about Africa that you hear? Oh man, I mean the biggest lie. It just it just burns you when you hear it. Oh bruh. <laughs> well, well, there's there's a dumb stuff that you you don't you can't even address on some like Africans living trees. And I mean, I mean, <laughs> I mean, I mean, wait, wait, wait. But I'm not laughing at the idea that Africans live in trees. I'm laughing that that's something that was actually said. <laughs> no, that's sad, bro. No, it, it was it was like yo, it was it was right. like you know, because because when you try to. Like I shouldn't, and I was that was in 20, 2005, So the internet existed. Right? It was not. It existed. So you, so you should know that there are urban cities and centers in, on the continent, all over. Mm -hmm. And um, yeah, I mean there was there was, and then there were professors who were equally as ignorant, you know, as it wow. as, as it related. And you have to be that guy in class who was constantly like, no, no. Mm -hmm. You know, that's not it, you know? And so, you know, but my fortune was that also, you know, again, on my campus had one of the best Pan-African departments. Mm -hmm. So, like, while dealing with that ridiculousness, I can always just Feel run. Home. Man, and, you know, I was around family. Yeah. People who got it, people who had been to the continent mm -hmm. already, who, who, who had empathy, who, who would teach me. I had a professor who literally took me to his house and was like, here's my library of records, here's my library of books. They're mm -hmm. open to you. And that's when I learned, man, I, I, I didn't know folks like Coltrane and all that mm -hmm. stuff. Like, I got put on. And so that, that was extremely enriching. Mm -hmm. Because my thing is you can't talk about bridging these gaps if you do not know your brother. Like, if you don't know, if you haven't been, if you haven't seen, right? Because then... A lot of things that we and we see some of it in even in Hollywood where they're like, why is she playing an African? You know mm -hmm. what I mean? Or, or like, why is he playing an, an African-American? Mm -hmm. You know, and it's like, you know, there are all these little things about us that we haven't taken time to, to, to learn about each other. And so it's constantly used against us. Hmm. Right. So at what point do you start rapping? Oh, man, I started rapping in man. I, I was probably 11. Oh, so you started rapping before. Oh, I rap. I was, I was about rapping. to say, yes. you get to America and then you're like, yo, I'm here. I'm black. I got to start rapping. I was like, yo, bro, no. it's a stereotype. Dog. <laughs> like, no. you know what I'm saying? It, I know. It's like, you know what I'm no, saying? No, 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 no. Stereotype. I know. But so you, so you, no, started, was, you, you was... started rapping before then. And, then, and so you already had a style and you had kind of what it was that you wanted to do yes. as a rapper. But it was all copying. It was all copying. Who did it, you copy? Man, I copied everybody. Biggie. <laughs> Biggie, Listen, of I mean, come on. I, I could rap Biggie all day. Warning. Yeah. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, 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 like that was like, that was... That, that was that for a while and but then you know you start to understand that no like look he's talking about his reality yeah. like that like that's why it works mm -hmm. you know you can't be biggie you can't be jay you can't be any of these guys yeah. um and so that's when you start asking yourself well what are my musical influences you know mm -hmm. like what do i know what, what are our conditions yeah. and then you start to find your way little by little but that was the hardest thing because also think about it up until 2000 and i want to say 10 mm -hmm. Where myself and someone like Kanan, I don't know if you're familiar with Kanan, yeah. you know, uh -huh. um, we were one of the earliest like MCs from the continent trying, you know. Yeah. So, so then you know it was like even style, like what are you wearing? You know what right, I mean? Right, like right, right, right. people were just like, "This is whack," you know. Like <laughs> I no, it was, it was. I remember, I remember MTV because you know because African nepotism, which is sometimes great. Mm -hmm. um, it, was, it was a brother who worked at MTV. 
um, who was just like, listen, I, I like your video. I want to put it up on MTVU, I think it was at yeah. the time. Was they had all those MTVU views, yeah, all that, all that, all that. Right. So they threw my video up. I actually hosted Sucker Free Sunday. Oh, did you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was crazy. Word. It was, it was same night. It was same day. We were taping the same day Michael Jackson died. It's crazy. Oh, wow. Yeah, it was the wildest thing ever. I was I was in Times Square. We were shooting this thing. It was it was the wildest thing. But I, yeah. I digress. Mm -hmm. um, <laughs> yeah, no, the the, the 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 Yomi put my video, and I remember just the comments because back in the day, <laughs> yo, and it was all about my shoes, <laughs> and I was like. What it was just like, what, what, is, what, what I don't even remember. What, kind of, what, what were the shoes? It was some, I don't know, some. Maddie, what's the name of this video? Please don't. What's the name of this video? It's called, it's called Breathe. Breathe. So Breathe, <laughs> um, what, what name do you rap on there again? Blitz the Ambassador. Blitz the Ambassador, yeah. So, because I saw your TED Talk performance too, that shit was live. Salute. Hey, br dude, bring up Breathe by Blitz the Ambassador, <laughs> Maddie, and put it on the screen here. <laughs> So we can check these shoes out. It was, was some Nikes, bro. Like, they, but they were gold, bro. Like, I don't know. The Africans right. like to shine, right? So yeah, you do. You do you got like a lot to of natural shine. resources. Yeah, exactly. over there. <laughs> oh, is, is this the video? This right is here? the video. This is the video. This Let's is see. the video. Yeah, Let's that's me. Oh, okay. That's oh, me. I see you got a white boy. I see you got a yeah, white boy yeah, in the band. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. That's the way to kind of. You, you got know, a white boy on base, huh? You have to come to America. You yeah. put a white boy on base. You know, listen, listen. There you go. That's um, the best I could do. Stereo head guy. Oh, stereo this is a well-made video. Yeah, Where are the shoes? These are. Oh, these those are the shoes. shoes. These look at the shoes. I don't like. I was like, I, I, listen, why? Why? I'm fucking with them, though, bro. Yo, I don't have a problem with. I these know, shoes. but everybody was like, these shoes are whack, and I was like, really? In America, guys, it cost me a lot of money. I can tell that Talib Kweli was an influence. Huge influence. The boots. Then it looked like it was. It was. It was Talib. It was. It was most. It was the roots. Like Rob Morat. Who is that? Rob was actually yeah, a great friend of mine. A great singer. You know. So I mean, you know, this was. This, that's not the guy from Rob Morat. That's not the guy. Who is? Who is he from? Where is he from? I feel like I know that New name. New York. He's New York. He's an actor now. He's he's out in L.A. now. Oh, I might. I might I yeah, like you I might know him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Rob's good people. Okay, so this video went on, and you said you you were getting killed. I was getting killed, and I was like, I was like, guys, look, it's not that serious. I'm trying here. You know what I mean? I'm I'm, I'm trying to bring something. Right. You know, but 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 that was the co the constant thing that we were facing. Um, a lot of you know. It's like you're in the culture, but you're not in the culture, yeah. right? And so it took me a while to then start understanding that, look, man, listen, you, you can't be in New York shooting videos. Mm -hmm. You have to take it home. Sure. You know what I mean? And that's really, I think, my, my real awakening was when I realized that you can't copy your way to the top. It yeah, just doesn't exist. You can't you do can't. it. You can't. They smell it. They want the authenticity, Listen, bro. you know what I mean? And so I went home, spent some time at home, got reconnected to the music that I grew up on, which was phenomenal music we just hadn't figured out how to get it back out there and when i came back bro literally within a year i had toured close to 15 countries mm. you know what i mean just just out of just saying i'm i'm gonna i'll get back to rapping in my native language which uh -huh. is tree yeah you know what i mean i went back to doing all that what's stuff what's the name of language tree Tree? Tree, 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 tree. Akan, Akan or tree. Kano tree? Yeah, Akan. I like, teach me, like, teach So, okay, yeah, easy, uh, easy one is yeah. at the same. At the same? And you say, eh, hey, yeah, at hey, yeah. yeah. So what yeah. did I just say? You, uh, you just said, uh, Van's not, I'm just kidding. Oh, I was about to say, man. <laughs> don't, don't, I don't, don't, give me no crazy nah, shit. Nah, nah, you, I just asked you how you doing and you said I'm fine. Word. So yeah. you rapping in your native language yes, and then yes. you, you find that people gravitated towards a you being A lot more, a lot closer, a lot closer. And I, and I am, I am tribally Sisala, but we all, 
all kind of speaks chi in the city, you know. Mm-hmm. So, so that was that, you know, that was a huge turning point. And then, then comes the, the visual elements. That's, right? Yeah, let's get to that now. Yes. So now, uh, the you're making huge waves now as a director yes. and a visual creative. Yeah, that started when. So that started um, like around 2009, uh-huh. right? 2009. So I don't know if you know Terrence Nance. Uh, yeah, of yeah, course. Of course. Random Acts of Flyness. Yes, that show is bananas, Bruh. So that's my fan. <laughs> well, like, listen, yeah. I, Red Pill. I, I don't know if y'all been paying attention. Terrence Nance is also doing Space um, Jam. Space Jam. Two? I don't know if you guys, if you're Space Jam Two, or well, whatever. I don't know if they should have done it, but whatever. I'm glad he's doing it. Uh, Random Acts of Flyness on HBO yeah. is, I wasn't familiar with him before this. Yes. It is some of the most gripping, yes. uh, thought-provoking, yeah. uh, inciting, yes. challenging, yes. satisfying, Indeed. moving media I have ever, ever. seen before in my life. Yeah. And, and, I, and I know that the show has a cold following. I know that the show has a big enough following. But God damn it, if there was one fucking show that yeah. I could stump for, it would yeah. be that one. Yeah. Every single time you're yeah. engaged, yeah. you're challenged, yeah. all, the whole nine, man. Yeah. He's amazing. Sharon's fuck, like, he changed my life. So I, we were roommates for five years. Word! Yes. So Okay. So, yeah, so Terrence and I, live, you can imagine, like, crazy Terrence, myself, right. you know, and our, and our boy James. So we all lived together. James managed both me and Terrence. Mm-hmm. So Terrence's first film, um, well, we directed our first film together. Wow, which was called Native Son. It was uh, it was uh, uh, um, a, a visual piece that went with my album. Okay, so we went to Ghana. Like I was saying, we just went down there with like five hundred dollars in our pocket. We're like, we're gonna make a film. Right. So we went, shot it there, and came back, and it 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 really opened doors for Terrence and I. And um, the wild thing, I mean, seeing his trajectory has just been inspiring. You know sure, what I mean? Yeah. Like just uncompromising, unwavering. You know, but that's the kind of brethren that I, I was around that was super inspirational. You guys uh, challenging each other. And, all day. Right. All day. And, and Terrence is still like, he gets to see the first cut of my film. Right. Because I know he'll destroy it. And, <laughs> and, I'll, and I'll be pissed at him for a while. Right. And then and then I'll get back and I'll be like, bro, you're right. You know, mm-hmm. I need to go reshoot. Yeah. You know, so 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 that was Terrence for me. And um so his influence on my visual, but but it was more just bravado, bro. And just mm-hmm. saying, be confident. And if and if you are confident, the world is is you know, we we have this Toni Morrison quote where she says, I stood on the edge, claimed it as the center, and forced the world to come over to me. Word. Like, like that, we like, we lived that. Mm-hmm. And for a number of years, we're completely ignored. Uh, but as as it relates to you know where you stand and being able to claim that as center, like that was a huge transition for me as an as an artist, believing that listen, if you make it, they will come. And so that's when uh, I begun my foray in, in the cinema, like confidently. Mm-hmm. So I made I, we made that short together, and I went and, and made two more shorts. One of them I shot in Brazil. Mm-hmm. And um, just like really, it was like boot camp, you know, because mm-hmm. the other thing I knew was that, look, I, as it relates to African cinema, you, you, because of how little of it exists mm-hmm. um, and also how much of it is policed. Well, policed in what way? Policed by, you know, uh, by foreign um, production companies mm-hmm. that re- get to vet what what movies get made on the continent. Sure. So very few of them are funded by us and shot or directed by us. Most of them are co-productions from Europe. 
right. um, which I, I, I feel is some version of cultural colonization. So like, wow, yeah, expound no, on that. No, so I mean, it, it's a it's a cartel system. So most films that you have that end up going to Cannes, end up going to Tribeca or TIFF are almost always co-productions from Europe. And so they kind of come in and they're like, okay, who's hot? Okay, this is the kind of story you need to tell. This is how we're going to set it up. You probably can't do your post-production in Africa. Uh-huh. We're going to move it to Europe. We'll like strip it of all its color, all of its life, and we'll throw it on the circuit. So that, that has become, if you think about African cinema, you're really, your visual palette is almost always Hotel Rwanda. Yeah. It's, it's this like earth tone brown and that's what everybody uses right. so like there's the hollywood encrosion right like where they come in and this happens a little bit in bollywood too a little bit do. yeah a little bit right where, where you're like but you know if you've been on a continent bro it's some of the most colorful some of the most vibrant people and places Which this film is by the way you know what i mean yeah be- because because for once we were like we are free bro we don't because what i did was which was crazy i went and running the trailer right okay. now you guys can see some of the amazing uh, visuals. By the way, this young lady's powerful. She's amazing. Never acted before. Never acted before. Never acted She's before. your lead. Let's give her some Smiley, props. What's her, what's her name? Her name is Cynthia Dunkwa. Okay. Never acted before. Her mother's phenomenal. Mm-hmm. Played by Mamle. Yo, oh, this scene right here where she's got the, like, oh my God, bro. Like, listen, I was watching this because I was trying to get it in before Where, you got here. Yeah. I was watching this on my phone. And yeah. when I got home, yeah. I had to, like, <laughs> figure I was in the crib wow. figuring out how to get it up on the 65-inch. Wow. Because this scene right yeah. here is yeah. so visually amazing. Yeah. With, um, because this is the scene where, uh, I guess... She's describing where it was that her parents felt like she had like prosperity. Yes, her, yeah, that's the one that yeah, she was yeah, that yeah. she was that she was, yeah. she was destined for something. Something because of this right here. Yes, yes, it's yes. Amazing right there. Yeah, man. So you so really, in a, in a way, the filmmaking that you're doing is revolutionary because you you want to challenge commonly held uh, notions about African cinema. Most most definitely. Uh. But 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 it but it's but it's also like like let, let, let's expound a little bit. So. Listen, cinema as a medium, right, is probably one of the most, the strongest means of building empathy for people, mm-hmm. right? So, like, if you think about, you know, like, I, one of my favorite movies is a film called Amelie. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a French film. Seen it? Yep, fantastic. It's so, so. Don't come in here stunting on me I know, with brother, the film shit. I know, brother. I know, brother. I'm, I'm, I'm listen, a nerd. Listen. Nick. Get this guy. Like this guy is coming, trying to come over here. It's like, it's like, it's like, like, don't like. Listen, listen I, I love, I love these movies that you're talking about. That's amazing. I don't, I don't, I don't want to, I don't want to. I was like, this is a movie called Amelie. By the way, that's something that people do in Hollywood. A, a quick story. <laughs> I was working on a movie. And I was working on a movie in Baton Rouge. Word. And so, uh, like, and this was the first time that, like, I that I met people that were from L.A. that were oh, shooting the movie. Okay. And so I asked the construction guy, uh, <laughs> Tom Jones. Shout out to Tom, the guy who really showed me how Hollywood works. But he was the he they all they did was build the sets. He was a okay, construction guy, but he had been it. around so many producers that yeah, he knew yeah. how they were. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I go, oh, so how did you get into do this? How did you get into doing this? And he did something to me that people in Hollywood do all the time. Yeah. He goes, yeah. So I actually started working on this movie. I don't know if you heard of it. It was called Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. <laughs> and, and I was, <laughs> no, that's a, that's and, and I was I was like. I was like, like, don't do that. Like, I, I was, I, I'm like, I'm like, I'm like my guy. Like, he, like, 
It's like, don't like, yeah, I knew it was funny. called Teenage Mutant that's Ninja funny. Turtles. I was like, yeah, bro, I fucking saw the turtles, dog. <laughs> like, 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 what you want? I, I saw the turtles, man. <gasps> yeah. That is hilarious. Amelie is a little bit more. Amelie is a more it's pure. It's niche, bro. Yeah, it's niche. Yeah, yeah. I didn't, didn't want to. Right. And it's really for, for the people. Right. It's yeah, really yeah, for yeah, the it's people. It's more secure, but you were yeah, saying, yeah. so. So, so I was, you know, I was, I was saying, you know, in terms of just like building empathy, that was hilarious. But right. <laughs> right. That, that's a true story. <laughs> Tom, I love you. <laughs> but you played me with that fucking Ninja <laughs> Turtle shit. That was crazy. Um. You know, again, like, you know, building empathy, right? And, um, and you know, listen, if, if something happens in France, right, how, how your mind works is, like, you may not have been, may not even know anybody from there. But you've walked in the shoes of characters in these places, and they feel real to you. So you build a, a strong kind of empathy for the place, for the people. So when something happens, your immediate response is empathy, right? right? Now think about the continent and think about, how we've been socialized to think about the continent as it relates to cinema. It's war, it's famine, mm. consistently. If anything happens there, you're just going, oh, that's what y'all do. Like, y'all fight wars. Even with like movies like Black Hawk Down and shit like that. All of that. Yeah. All of that. Like, we can run them down. Like, listen, I love Idris, you know, but come on. Like, Beast, Beast, Beast of No Nation. Mm -hmm. Like, all of them. You yeah. know what I mean? Machine Gun Preacher, like Hotel Rwanda, you can run them down. Yeah. And, 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 and my thing is always, you know, how are you supposed to build empathy for people when the circumstances are always like we that you never center the people. Mm -hmm. It's always about this really dystopian world. Right. And so my thing has, has with this film specifically was, listen, let's let's for once hone in on the people. And I'm not saying that you you get you hone in so much that you forget that they live in a world. Right. Mm -hmm. Because in this film, listen, there's a lot going on sociopolitically. There's sure. like Chinese incursion mm -hmm. on the natural resources. There's all types of things that's going on in the film. But I'm like, this is about a family. Can we for once hone in on a little girl who's trying to find her father mm -hmm. and like it not be this wild, sensational. And we can create amazing images to sustain that narrative. We don't have to. It doesn't have to break out in a war or in a mob, mob uh, justice or something for us to feel like it's worth being told. Mm -hmm. So that was one of our biggest challenges. My, my DP and I was just fam. Like, wh like we have to be brave here. Like we have to decide that we're making a film that might not be seen because we're for once trying to center people, you know, who who rarely get centered, right? And um, yo, that was one of the. I mean, I. It was difficult. I've had difficulties in my life. I don't think anything compares to making this film. Mm. Yeah, nah, nothing compares. And you feel like that's because do you you feel like it's because you're um you were being so ambitious with it, or did did you just feel like once you got there uh, that maybe you didn't see how difficult it was going to be? Like, like I know I've, that's phrase wrong. I'm saying like, was it? Do you feel like at, at any point? what you were trying to do couldn't be accomplished once you got there? It was less that and more the fear of after doing all of this, right. nobody's going to see nobody's it. Nobody's going to see it. And I, and, I, and I think that's any artist's worst nightmare. Mm -hmm. It's like, listen, we can survive 25 shooting days for no food, you know, just, just, just in the wild, struggling, and get the work. Mm -hmm. What we can't survive is no one seeing it. Oh, word. Because, because it's then what was it for? Yeah. You know, and so, and so for us, that was our biggest, you know, and, and it, so like to wake up knowing that this film's going to be on Netflix on Sunday and like 100 million people. Hey, are, give it come up. On, come Clap on, that. Come on, come on, come on. That's, 
that to me is mind-boggling. Yeah. You know what I mean? Because because again, we went in, we tried to raise funds for the film. Like mm -hmm. nobody cared. Matter of fact, people told me to leave the Kojo name out of it. They were like, why? It was like just make call it the burial. And I was like, because again, and everybody's afraid that if you if you center Africans, it's a name. Nah, that, we ain't doing that no more. Come on, man. man. We, 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 stepping, we stepping out here with our truth. Come on. And we gonna put our truth on that screen and y'all gonna love it. Like that's that's we those are the old rules. That's that's you know, and and, 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 and you know, it was it was so you're dealing with all of that and and I and honestly, yo, one of the best things that happened to me was listen, I, I was able to take a small advance on some 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 deal mm -hmm. and throw that advance to where I had autonomy, mm -hmm. full autonomy and control. And then when I run out of money, am I, I allowed to ask how much I made it for? Nah, bro. <laughs> They never want to tell y'all. No. They never like listen. I will tell you when the cameras stop rolling. Yeah, they never they never want to tell you how much they made the movie for. Like and and, and that, that there's a lot of reasons for that because that you know, you know, let, let's say they made the movie for five dollars. <laughs> Well, the next time they try to get a movie made, they're gonna expect you to make that one for five dollars. There you go. And I'm not making no five dollar league ever again. Not to say it was five dollars, but I'm saying I'm I'm out of the five dollar league. Done, done. So I'm so I'm, I mean I mean that that's the that's the you know it was it was financially taxing. But then I threw it to the people, and then we raised. Seventy eight thousand dollars on Kickstarter. Wow! So that was the. It always point. feels good. Too. Come on, bro. Yeah. I mean, you know, to know that this many people cared about you know a story like ours that was so obscure, that didn't have no famous people in it. Yeah. That was shot in you know mostly in a foreign language. Yeah. You know, so that was huge for us. And then, um, but again, like a lot of that work, and you know, we can talk a little artistically too, just about. What my DP and I, because you were talking about some of the shots, and one thing shot the DP out. Yo, on. Michael Fernandez, yeah. phenomenal DP, Mexican American cat. You know, I took him to Ghana, took him straight to the market, because mm -hmm. I was like, look, if you could survive the the, the market in Accra, mm -hmm. you could survive making this movie with me. Mm -hmm. You know, and 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 he 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 has such a strong empathy. This movie starts here. Yes. So so, I, it, you guys won't be able to see this. On, um, you guys won't be able to see this if you're listening, but if you're watching on YouTube or any other visual medium, you'll be able to see it. I put this on what I'm saying. I'm on my phone. I just left doing some really political, super political, like show that I was doing, and it was all about yo reparations and stuff like that, which was fun <laughs> to talk about. But then when I put this on, I was like, yo, man, what's about to happen? This scene right here grabbed me from from the moment it was on open. From the open, yeah. this scene grabs me because if you look at that, if you if you hadn't seen anything else, this scene right here, and just to let you guys know, there is a burning car on a beach that seems to be sinking. Man in a white shirt is looking at this car. You think, what's happening here? Yeah. And can I can I can I shout out Ryan Coogler real quickly for yeah. telling me to open the film with this scene? Oh really? I had an amazing privilege mm -hmm. of like sitting with him and showing him a first cut. Wow. Yeah, yeah. So Ryan Coogler, it was his idea to start with. Yes, because I had a completely different opening, and I'm glad that you go, this drew me in. Cause right those, away, I'm like, I'm like, okay, what are we doing Those here? were literally his words. Mm -hmm. I had a whole different, and mind you, yo, I had spent, because your opening scene is everything. Right. So I'd spent like an extra day shooting this amazing library scene, which was going to mm -hmm. like, the camera was going to zoom through and then open into this scene, right? Yeah. And Ryan was like, bruh, nobody cares about that. Like, everybody wow. cares about being transported. 
and that's mm. where you need to start. Right. And it, it took me a while too. I was like, nah, bro, yeah, you just made Black Panther, made all this money. Yeah, but yeah. but nah, mm-hmm. I'm an artist. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But then I sat back and I was like, yo, he is right. Mm. He is right. And when I sit in theaters with audience and and it, the scene opens, I'm like, right. Yeah, that's why that's, that's why and, you get paid the big bucks. I'm telling you, and it, it's <laughs> weird that you would say that because when we were starting this podcast, I was gonna start with a specific interview, and then Barack Obama told me. Uh, um, start with a different interview. There you I know go. Fam- I know famous people too, niggas. <laughs> yeah, you know, you know what I'm saying. Something about some talking about some Ryan Cooler. Listen, like, like, listen. Like, no, but that's that's that, that, that's 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 actually amazing. So, um, he tells you to start here because, yes. and that's weird because yeah. I, I see this and I go, oh, okay, well, what the fuck, you know, yeah. like, what, what are we doing here? Yeah. Um. Something that you said earlier uh, struck me. Yes. When you talked about the thematic representation of African films. Yeah. Because you know what's crazy is that's something that we struggle with here in America as well. Indeed. Here in America, we want to be able to have, as, as, as black filmmakers and black creatives, we want to be able to have the space to tell stories yes. um, outside of and these are all great films, yes. but like, what's going on in the hood? Like, Minister yeah. Society is a fantastic yeah. film. Fantastic, yeah. It's a, it's a, it's an amazing film. Shout yeah. out to everybody involved. But for a while, that was the only black stories that were being told. That's true. And they were sprinkling a Love Jones. There yeah. it was really towards the end um, of, you know, Spike had always been doing his thing to the end of it where we just had slice of life black movies that That's just true. showed African Americans on there. Like even like something like Insecure. Yes. Incredibly powerful. Amazing. Showing a sister making her way through the That's world. That's true. Because we have just lives as well. Yes, you know what yes, I mean? Yes. Everything doesn't have to be sensational. Everything doesn't have to be super sensational. Yeah. It doesn't have to be rooted in such deep, deep pain. We get that. Yes, yes, um, yes. So when you uh, we're, 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 we're trying to get this film either made or financed or kind of get people interested in it. Was there any part of the feedback you got to your idea or to your script or anything where people were like, nah, maybe change it a little bit, inject some other things into it so you can maybe captivate a worldwide audience a little bit more? Yeah, for sure. I got, I got you know, I got a little bit of that. I mean, the thing was... I didn't. I didn't allow myself to go through too much of that. Okay, so you didn't even. Like, I didn't. Put you it know what I mean? Yeah, I yeah, did yeah. it because because it was obvious to me mm-hmm. what was going to happen. I, yeah. I knew how my PS had made movies on the continent. Yeah, and I was like, listen, unless I get some random angel who's just going to be like, hold this money and go do this. Yeah, I knew it was going to be challenging, just ideologically. Mm-hmm. Like, why? Why even? Why this? You know what I mean? Because immediately they go, what's going to sell? Mm-hmm. And we know what sells in America <coughs> as it relates to Africa. Yeah. And this has none of that, mm-hmm. you know. So immediately, you know, I mean, the, f- the script did float, you know, for some European producers here and there. And either they just didn't care for it yeah. or it was very passive. Mm-hmm. Like nobody was like, yo, okay, great idea. Now, how can we? So immediately I was like, all right, it's not going to work. I'm not going to put myself through that. I have to think immediately about how I can do this personally. And, and I have this thing about plans, right? If Listen, if everybody says no, can you still pull it off? Word. You know what I mean? And, and that that is like, for me, the only real judge of how good my plan is. Mm-hmm. Now, it, it's going to mean sleep deprivation and certain things, but at the end of the day, can I walk away saying, listen, man, I can do this if everybody says no. Mm-hmm. And, and so I had to I had to look at the script honestly and say, can I pull this off? 
And when the answer was yes, I was like, all right, when well, I'm going to Ghana and I'm camping out until it's done. Until it's finished. And, and I did, you know, and, it, and like I said, it was some of the most gruesome work I've ever done. But I also remember the commitment, the actors. And I mean, you've seen the level of acting in the film. Most, Fantastic. Most of, the, most of them have never. Where'd you been. find everybody at? Man, it was random. Like, I did a little casting call, a few people came, and then the rest was like pulling people off the street and being like, hey, do you act? If not, oh, wow. yeah, like, if not, are you interested? Can you come down? And before I knew it, man, listen, the other thing about not having money on time was that we were, all we had time for was rehearsal. So, like, every time I'd be like, okay, we're shooting in two months. Two months will come and we won't have money. So I'd be like, let's get back to rehearsing. So we did that for eight months. Uh. Listen, people had to quit their jobs. People had to, you know, oh. people just couldn't continue. It was crazy. Mm -hmm. But, but, I mean, the, the advantage of that was that, because I always used to tell the actors, look, we're living. We're not acting. If, if these moments of truths are captured, mm -hmm. then it doesn't matter where the work goes. Everybody can identify truth. You yeah. don't even have to know the context of what's mm -hmm. going on. You can just watch it and go, this is a truth. I can relate to it. I'm in. Mm -hmm. And so that's what I kept telling them. And, yo, like, people learned how to sew. People learned how to ride bikes. People learned just things that they didn't know how to do in real life. Mm. You know, for and, the film, for the film, you know, and, and the amount of investment that the, the actors were giving me, I was like, I can't fail them. I, I can't say even to the point where when it was done, I was like, it's not enough if just one city sees this film. I, I have to take it around the world, like really in honor of their work. Right. as a tribute to their work right. because the other thing that happens a lot for us is that you put in so much and get so little back mm -hmm. you know and i was like look guys and and i've been so thankful that i've been able to take one actor at least the lead actors each to one of the openings around the world mm -hmm. so the little girl was in new york for the premiere Times square urban world film festival <laughs> she'd never been on a plane before this was like wow this was like a her worldview right exploded to be in a theater Sold out, mm -hmm. everybody applauding you as a nine-year-old. Mm. You know Completely what I mean? Completely opens mean, up and changes bruh. what she thinks is possible Yo, on earth. On earth. It's incredible. The lead actor. So we just we just played, we've played in about 10 countries now, and a few of the actors have been able to travel with us to see the reaction of audiences. Mm -hmm. And for me, that's probably the biggest payment. Like, I mean, we didn't have a lot of money to pay them. Mm -hmm. But that experience for them to see the work being appreciated on such a level mm -hmm. is has never happened mm -hmm. for us. Right? How'd you hook up with Ray? I mean, Ava, man. Whew. So Ava's been a fan of my music for a while. Oh, really? Yes. Shout so, out to Ava DuVernay, by so, the way. So that's, you know, that's a, that's, that's. Yeah, everybody clap for Ava listen, DuVernay. Listen, and, and to have, Yo, you Nick, know. You're not going to clap for Ava DuVernay? Like, at first, I'm, uh, like, I'm uh, listen, we got Nick May here. This is Ava DuVernay's brother, and you're not going to clap for her? What? Oh, you didn't know that? I didn't know that. That's her brother. Oh, yeah. no. oh wait. What? Oh, that's what you were talking about. I'm that's sorry. what he was talking yeah, about. That's my oh. man. This is, this is really? Ava's Really? You would tell me? This is the, like, that's, that's Ava's brother right what there. What a way to find out. I'm telling you, this man was, this man was outside talking about, listen, if I would have directed Selma, I might have done some things different. Uh, you didn't know you were talking no, to her brother. No. By the way, he didn't say that. I didn't say that. Ava. Please. Ava, he didn't say that. I did it. That was Van being a scamp. Uh, okay? I was being a scamp funny. again. Um, uh, so, uh, but yeah, so 
how did you how did you hook up with the right? No, man. So um, the film the film played at Urban World, mm-hmm. and um, um, Tulane was there. Tulane, you know, is is, is the right hand. She, mm-hmm. she does everything. An amazing, amazing, um, you know person but also just a film head you know and um but it was important to have people in those positions that are film heads yes they don't just love obviously there's a business part of this yes but it's always important to have people that actually love Love. film indeed to be in those executive positions indeed because a lot of them will just come over and tell you to i don't know why don't you put a robot in the movie yeah exactly like is is there a room for a robot it's like no we're not fucking this is no there's no robots so it's it's important to have people like that but you were saying indeed and and then uh i don't know um uh uh, if you know Tina Farris, so Tina is a tour manager. She's she's done tour managing for the Roots for I mean for for years. Mm-hmm. Um, so she um, um, and Suede, her partner, um, were the ones who were assertive, you know. And they they hit up Ava and was like, "Look, you need to." Ava had already seen the film, mm-hmm. um, and they were like, "Look, this is the one. Like, right. You need to you need to get behind this." And and that I'm super grateful to Tina. And Suede and Ava and Tulane for like saying, "Look, this work deserves the platform," mm. you know. And and listen, if I had nothing to do with this film, um, I would champion it just as much because of the representation, but also the commitment. Because I'm one person, bro. One person don't make a film. Mm-hmm. It's a family of like forty people, sure. you know, who edit, who 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 score, who do all this wild stuff. And like, yeah, man, like the continent deserves it. Like, mm-hmm. it's been too long where we haven't seen our stories told the way we know how to tell stories. Mm-hmm. And there's been this, like, euronormative structure where we're like, all right, let's take this life and force it through the Spielberg structure. Word. And it's like, how is it going to work? I get you. You know what I mean? And, and that's happened to us over and over again. And we were just like, we're not going to do that. Mm-hmm. We're going to take chances. And if it fails, at least we know we tried. Mm-hmm. You know. So. so broader question here. Please. Now... <clears throat> It, the film ends up becoming it, it's your creative uh, uh, expression yes. that you made on your terms yes. in your home country. Yes. But it ends up becoming, at least on the back end, yeah. uh, a, a partnership between the culture that exists in Ghana yes. and the Black American culture that exists here, because you in, you include Ava DuVernay yes. and Array. Yes. On a on a larger scale, yes. What do you see? Um, someone who is both uh, intimately um, familiar with Black American culture, yes, um, and culture on the continent, yes. What do you see the future of the relationship between Black Americans and, uh, not to use the broad term, yes, but Africans or people that live on the continent, on the continent. Um, as far as Pan Africanism and things like that, is there something that needs to be repaired? Is there something that we're not doing, yeah, uh, for? Um, our brothers and sisters and, and, and cousins over there, is there something they're not doing for us? Yes, indeed. Uh, so what, having the perspective that you have, yeah. what do you see that as? Yo, I will say this. Anytime that black people have had any real advancement, it has come from communicating with one another across continents. We can look back at even slave revolts that were happening in the United States. Most of them were informed by slave revolts in Haiti and the Maroons around the Caribbean. Sure. <laughs> um, we talk about independence, which is one, one, of, one of the most critical movements on the continent. Independence was born out of 
that conversation of like a W.E.B. Du Bois hanging with Kwame Nkrumah and saying, look, y'all can fix this. Mm. You know what I mean? And then him flying in brothers like George Podmore from the Caribbean and saying, we can do this. And it's been amazing to me with all the results that we've gotten by just saying, because the wild thing is that we've all evolved very differently as it relates to white supremacist propaganda. Mm -hmm. So if you're on the continent, you've lost certain things, and you've, but you've held on to certain things. If you're in America, you've lost certain things, but you've held on to certain things. And like our brothers and sisters in, 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 in Latin America, like in Brazil, like the wildest thing for me was to, to, to go to Bahia and find out that African traditional religion is so intact in Brazil than it is on the continent. Mm. It's insane. Like Cuba is similar. Like the level of really? it's it's incredible. Oh bro, we like are all Christian and Muslim mm -hmm. on the continent. Mm -hmm. It's very few of us are believe in any kind of African spirituality on the continent. You go to Brazil, bro, in Bahia, almost everybody is is Yoruba or Ife or Ifa. Mm -hmm. It's um, it's unbelievable. And so I say to myself, yo, what did we lose and what did we gain and what did we hold on to? And the only way that any of this can be repaired is through conversation. Mm -hmm. So like if I, re what do I remember? What do you remember? Another dope thing, or well, it's not so dope as it relates to black Brazilians. So in Bahia, it's 90% black. They've never had a black mayor. Mm. So in spite of all this African tradition that they've held they've on to held spirituality on to and everything that they feel they like got, they know themselves, they got no political power. Wow. It's been like almost the same white family that has run by here for like 50 years. Mm -hmm. What could they learn from African-American organizing? Like African-Americans been organizing from the from day one. Right. You know what I mean? And it's like. Why are why aren't we like why don't we have bureaus? Yeah. Where it's like, listen, if I if 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 I'm a you know, and, and then on the continent, let's talk about all for all the things we've lost. Story is one thing that we've held on to. Why if, if we can't help our brothers and sisters when they're getting gunned down in the streets of America, we can provide story and context. You know what I mean? So you should never because my other thing about story is this. If I bump my head and I can't remember who I am. The only way you put me back together, the only way I put you back together is through story. So I'm going to have to be mm. like, all right, Van. Like, where did Van grow up? Mm. You know, where, what school did he go to? Like, yeah. And if you have all this stuff, then you should be able to see yourself and be like, all right, cool. This, this reminds me of me. Mm -hmm. If it's written down, even better. If it's photographed, even better. Even better. If it's video, I mean, you can watch your right. home videos and be like, oh, that's me. You can see the love between you and your family, parents and your family, bruh. your friends, where you've gone, you're playing basketball, you know everything. almost everything about you your understand? life. Mm -hmm. And so think about, think about how little the continent has given you in terms of just any kind of memory. Mm -hmm. And in my DP, we used to talk about this thing all the time, genetic memory. Mm -hmm. Like, there's so much in me because I stayed. That, that I should easily be able to give you. Mm -hmm. Like those visuals you're looking at are triggering things in you that you, like, you don't know, you've, you haven't been. I don't know, I should ask, have you been to Ghana? No. Okay, because I've been out here acting a fool. So right. I, need, I, need, I need to ask before right. I... Right, yeah. right, right. But that's the idea, right? Is that you should see these things and go, I haven't been to Ghana, but something's triggered in Immediately. me. Immediately. Right? It like, dog, it, it, immediately you go... 
there's a there's a familiarity, not even bullshit. It, immediately you go, huh? And it, even the structure of the story, like I haven't heard that story before, but I've heard that story before. before. You, 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 you know what, you I, mean? what I mean? Yeah. And, and 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 that's my thing about yo the critical like the the need for us to make this work and the need for us to communicate it like it is critical it is, it is bro i don't think there's anything more important as black and brown people on this planet like not saying to each other look here is story this is what we've been robbed of because we have bumped our heads mm -hmm. we don't remember jack right you know and the parts that you remember are are fragmented the mm -hmm. parts that I remember are fragmented. The part that he or she remembers are fragmented. And the only way in which we can kind of start to congeal in any way is mm -hmm. by conversation, is by physically being in communion, being like, listen, I'll come visit you. You know, I'll go, I'll come see you. I'll watch, I'll watch, because this is the medium through which I can start to experience some of what you've been through. Mm -hmm. And so I'm like, you know, and, and that when we talk about hip hop music, as, as when we started the conversation, mm -hmm. That's what that felt like to me. Mm. As a 12-year-old listening to Public Enemy for the first time, I'd never lived here. I'd never felt the pain. I didn't, I didn't know what was going on here. But there was something familiar because that thing is, has been reciprocated. It, it, had been, it had gone full circle and come back mm. to me. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And so there was a familiarity where I didn't have to ask, what, what, what is this? Mm -hmm. I just knew it. I recognized it and I participated in it because I felt welcome. Right? And that's what our work, need. our art has to become that means in which we start to repair some of these fragmentations, mm -hmm. be a little bit more intentional. You're asking, like, where does it go? I think the economics of it is also critical. So me owning my work and being able to lease it to, to Array as an, as, a, as an American entity <laughs> allows the work to spread further out, mm -hmm. which gives us more resources on both ends, which mm -hmm. means that then I can do that for my folk back home, mm -hmm. more stories can be told, mm -hmm. more stories then get exported back home. Mm -hmm. Like there has to be just, but all of that requires intentionality. Yeah. Like Ava is intentional, that's why I'm here. And I'll, I'll tell you something else, there's a luck component that goes into that and let me tell you what I mean. Cool. The luck component is Ava exists now. Yes. The luck component is that we have something here. And by the way, when I say we, I mean, Something that's owned by um, black people and black culture, and that that, but also when we're talking about these things, we're talking about them. Art enriches everyone. Indeed, that movie speaks a universal language. Indeed, right? art enriches everyone. Indeed, like these, everyone is enriched by a good moving story. As a matter of fact, to be honest with you, a good moving story is it could it, it, you see the common threads in life Indeed. through that through that easier than anything i've Indeed. seen foreign films that were israeli yes. to where i'm like god damn i relate to that it's huge but the fact that 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 ava exists whereas maybe in past times in hollywood yes. there might have not been yes yeah. Someone in that position, yeah. even a, a company like Array that yeah. that will take your work yes. and not want to taint it yes. and not want to change the intentionality there of it. it. Is. That right there, there it is. is the lucky part of your creative moment happening in this particular exactly. time. Yeah. And that's why I say, man, y'all get these ideas out. You know, work hard and put these things together, you know, you know. Why y'all making YouTube videos and that's cool too, but like, but like, get get these ideas out and, that, and that, that's something that's 
that's very important as well. The fact that you have yep. people like that that can be the sort of rally around you and support you that's and kind of kind of help you is gigantic it's to huge. have those types of. It's advocates. huge. I mean, it cha- it changes everything. Mm-hmm. You know, it changes everything, and I mean, we're really also fortunate. And you talk about luck, man. It's it's the time in which we exist too. Mm-hmm. I mean, look at the the speed in which information travels. Yep, all of that. Look, I mean, just look at look at the communication. I mean, the mm-hmm. fact that I could raise eighty thousand uh-huh. dollars, right, or seventy eight, <coughs> close, right. right, without having an answer to anyone. Mm. Like nobody standing over me going, Nah, that ain't it. Yeah, not one person. Yeah. Besides Ryan like, Coogler. Without, besides Ryan, yeah. who was like, yeah. Same thing Barack did for me. Barack, you know. Yeah, yeah. You know but you need people like Barack and Ryan. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Yeah, my homeboy Barack. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, exactly. So I'm going to ask you this. Please. And this will be a question that you're going to get in Hollywood, and we'll kind of, what's the next movie? Well, bro, I don't know. Mm. I do not know. I, I know that we have this one. It speaks a specific language. Mm-hmm. And I believe in the law of threes, man. Like, I want to, like, you know, listen. Think about, like, the Mexican directors that came in the game. Mm-hmm. Like, so you're talking Alfonso Cuaron, Guillermo del Toro. Those guys are killing it right brother, now. Brother. Brother. <laughs> Why, though? Those guys are Why? Those and listen, guys listen, are they're giving, listen, right they're giving now, each man. other the Oscar. Right. They're like, yo, yeah, bro, yeah. and we're going to speak Spanish. Right, yeah. We don't like, care. We're like, on like, national they, TV they, in America. Just, the... the there's a lot of good work going on down there. Brother, killing it, brother, man. and and it's because you know, they came, first of all to, they came as a click. Let's right. let's, let's get a click. And also click. they also told their stories because you watch when you watch uh, Imama you t- Imama t- t- yeah. Yeah. when you watch when you watch us, that's a very that is Mexican and that's not a that's not a Mexican story that you would have. It's not a cliche no, or stereotypical Mexican story. Crazy. I remember when I first saw that I was like, this what? A Mexican film. Yeah. Right. It's yeah. different, but yeah. yeah so they, so yeah. that's actually a very yes. Amoris Peros is another one. Mm-hmm. Um, um, uh, you know, I too. And but but that game for me was like, yo, we're gonna come through. First of all, we we will we will tell enough of our story that we master form. So so like nobody can come to us, hire us, and be like, we want you to make this. No, we'll come. So when you see our work, you'll know what not to hire us for. Right. And you'll know what to hire us for. And when we come and we say we want to make Gravity or we want to make um, um, The Revenant, Mm -hmm. you know that it's going to have a voice. Like, what's happening right now in Hollywood is that, listen, like, the director has become so obsolete that there's so many films that it doesn't matter who directed it Mm -hmm. because it looks exactly the same. There is no voice. The reason the Mexicans are killing it is because they have voice. The minute you see... The Revenant. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, that's it's a that's a that's a very traditional American story. Mm-hmm. But that lens. I said, as American story as it actually gets. Like, like you know what I mean. The, 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 yeah. You know, but but right. the lens mm-hmm. is very specific and it has a voice. Mm-hmm. And that's like really, man. Like like I really, you know. And I want to shout out Wanuri, who's a phenomenal um, film, filmmaker from you got Kenya. Me. I don't know who that is. Yeah, yeah. Wanuri's amazing. Mm-hmm. This brother called um, Akin Omotoso, who's mm-hmm. who's from South Africa. Mm-hmm. Like our goal, and we've had these conversations amongst each other mm-hmm. is that we play the mexican game mm-hmm. where you come in so bold you're kicking in the door we just lost all of our trump supporters they're all gone bro they just, they just turned you said we play really? the mexican game the, the mexican trump going that's it we they just turned lost out. all of our maddie damn producer, bro maddie yeah huge trump supporter jeez so when you said oh right, man right. damn i'm screwed i'm screwed mm-hmm. but 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 you're saying that's the way that that's the game mm-hmm. you, you come in brave and 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 you do all you can to assert a viewpoint coming in. Mm. 
right? So, 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 so they not, they know, they know if they hire you, you're bringing a perspective, and and that's what that's what that's that's the only game to play. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, we're just continuing to further a group that already has power, and there's right. no point. Right. Like the the game now is about inclusion mm-hmm. right and so and so if we're coming and we're saying listen we're gonna we're gonna join this this game then let's bring a clear perspective let's be bold let's make let's burn cars on beaches bruh and mm. hey man we did that without a fire extinguisher though <laughs> and, 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 and anything can happen right. you know what i'm saying but but, right. but but we were willing to go there mm-hmm. you know we're like look no man, fire extinguisher no huh? fire extinguisher but we had to see <laughs> All right, there you go. Yeah, we had to see. So worst case, you know what I mean? You can yeah, douse man. that fire. But but my point is that, man, listen, let's do things that, you know, with challenges, would trigger this genetic memory. And you said something that's very critical, which is that great stories are universal. And listen, the, the, the places this film's been globally, right, where people have fully connected you know what I mean? Like, I've actually come to realize that all these flimsy, fake African films they're making are actually doing no one no service. Mm-hmm. Because what they want is the real. Right. Like, that's why they paid money to see Miles Davis, bruh. Mm-hmm. Because he was up there being his authentic self. Self. And by the way, real jazz, if you guys don't know, real jazz is it's conflict and it challenges you. I stole that from La La Land. That's exactly that guy said La La Land. By the way, you know what? Let's keep it real. Maybe La La Land should have won the Oscar. Anyway, um, oh, but, but no, oh, no, 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 hey, oh. hey, 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 this hey, is very controversial. La La Land was great. I love, I love. <laughs> Moonlight is my shit. But like, come on, man. We, how can you not love Moonlight? La La Land makes me cry. Um, but no, seriously, that that, that music, you can tell that it's, yeah. it, it exists in yo. somebody's fucking yo. soul. Yo. They're, they're giving you that, their heart. Man, like real that, jazz, that, they're giving you their heart. And so I'm from South Louisiana. Yes, Those guys are up know. there. You know. Giving it. And you can, you can feel that. You know. And people want that in their movies Bro, as well. that's what they want. And you know, listen, Heidi Garima. Master filmmaker. This will be the last name I drop. I was about to say. Last name. I, I, have, I, have, I have one. This, that's it. No uh, more name drops. Haile Garima, which uh-huh. I think everybody needs to study and find out about. Uh-huh. He says this all the time. He says he wonders what African film will be if we made cinema this, with the same freedom that we've made music all these years. Mm. Mm. Like, wow. Like, you know, just think about, and, and legit, I used to send my, my DP 15-minute Fela Kuti songs. Mm-hmm. I'm just like, listen to this. Because if our film comes anywhere close to this piece of music, we have achieved a feat. Mm-hmm. And we will be contributing significantly to the canon of cinema. Mm-hmm. Because what that 15 minute of Fela is, is freedom. Mm-hmm. It's to say, I can start the song with a sax solo for 10 minutes. I can come in singing off key. I can do whatever, and you're still going to love it because the pulse is, is honest. Right. And that's what we were constantly debating while we were making the film. And like we legit had a, a shorthand, which was, we've got to be brave with the camera. That was it. So the minute we were kind of getting to our, you know, oh, how, how does this fit with what I've seen? Mm-hmm. It's like, no. How brave are we with this camera right now? Mm. That means sometimes the shot's going to be from under the table. Sometimes it's going to come from, you know, a bird's eye view. Sometimes it's, it's just, it's just going to sit with a little girl, and that's it. Sometimes it'll be sparks, but we have to understand that we can't be afraid. 
know what I mean? And those sparks, bro, if that shit hit you, like it was, it was, it was painful. Yeah. But the camera had to go through it. Yeah. You know, and so and so we understood immediately that we were risking a lot, but f to tell these moments of truth because that's what's gonna live on. Everything else, nobody will remember. Mm. You know. I'll give it up for Blitz, man. Salute. Thank you, Van. It I'll is an honor. Blitz, it is an honor and a true privilege. I gotta tell you. Thank I appreciate you, you bro. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate the the genuine artistry. I appreciate the passion. Um, I I I I appreciate the work. Tell them again the where they're gonna be able to see the movie streaming on Netflix. Um, yes, man, and please recommend it. Right. You know what I mean? Like you know, net, that's the power of Netflix, bro. Everybody's got an account, even if you jacking somebody else's password. Even if you jacking somebody else's. You know what password. I'm saying? Like I've been. Am I free to say this on? Yeah, say it. Okay, I I I, I a few people use my password. <laughs> Please what? Netflix, don't, don't 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 play me. G give give me that original still. I need it. You know, let me tell you. Let me tell you the crazy thing about letting somebody use your password is they start recommending you all kinds of movies Yo, that you don't bro. really want to fucking see. No, so, so. and then like and it'd be weird too because you like you 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 like like you I let my sister borrow my pa password and all of a sudden Netflix documentary Skinheads in America recommended for you and I'm like what the fuck are you watching? This is not me. Like, yeah, like why this is you, not I don't want to watch the skinhead head documentary <laughs> like why like why is that like there's all kinds of that's hilarious like, it's, it's funny that is hilarious bro you're on Yo, your way man it's a pleasure man god talent, bless baby. thank you Pure sir talent. one more time give it up for bliss salute 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 thank you thank you thank you